Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. If you're an investor, you should absolutely have insurance. Steadily is a fast and affordable landlord insurance provider. From short-term rental insurance to tenant insurance to umbrella insurance, Steadily has everything you need for coverage in one spot. Their website makes it super easy to get a free quote in minutes. Check out the link in our show notes to get a quote from Steadily today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wire podcast. Today, Grace and I are going to be talking about the different types of property classes. And we're going to specifically be talking about neighborhoods. You could talk about properties themselves or tenants, but for this situation, we're just talking about neighborhoods. Yeah. So if you've ever heard somebody saying like, oh, I invest in B-class properties, blah, 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 blah. And you've thought to yourself, what the heck does that mean? We're going to go through all of that today. And we're also going to talk about what we like to invest in. And one other thing I want to point out is this is not something that is like Googleable. This is a very subjective sliding scale definition. There's not something that you can like go look up. What is this classified as? It's more of a way for investors to communicate with each other of what a neighborhood is like. So I feel like that's a good definition, Amelia. Yeah, I agree. I think it's subjective too. Like some people might think a C-class neighborhood is a B-class neighborhood. So you just have to keep that in mind. But these are just kind of general rules of thumb. So the four types of classes we're going to talk about are A, B, C, and D. So Grace, why don't you kick us off with A-class neighborhoods? Before I do A-class, I want to loop back around to the thing that you said about tenants and properties is sometimes you can have like an A-class property with a C-class tenant and maybe it's a B-class building. And it's basically a way, again, to just rate the different things because three things that make up an investment property are the tenant, the property, and the location. But like you already mentioned, Amelia, we're going to talk specifically about the location. So A-class properties you're going to automatically think of like the downtown new construction, really nice areas with maybe luxury finishes or your suburban, really high end homes that have people who are really high income earners or maybe live above their means. And that is going to be what your A-class area is. What else you want to add to that? I would just say like with A-class neighborhoods, there's lots of things to do. There's bike trails, there's amenities that are drawing people to the area, which in turn makes these areas very high appreciation, but also very expensive. Mm -hmm. So therefore, probably low cash flow. So not necessarily the best place to invest if your goal is cash flow. Yes. And that's another thing we got to talk about too, is if eventually you're quite, you're going to ask yourself, well, what area do I want to invest in? And again, Amelia and I say this all the time, you're going to get annoyed, but it's literally what is your why and what are you looking for? Because all of these properties, I want you to picture like a scale in your head and on one end is appreciation and on the other end is cash flow. And an A-class property is going to be all the way on the left-hand end where it's all appreciation, very little cash flow. And as we move through the different classes, it's going to move further down that line to all cash flow. And we're going to talk more about that. But if you think about it, it makes sense. Because, of course, the nicest area of town is going to be the most expensive. So you're not going to make any money while you're renting it or owning it. However, it's going to grow. It's going to become even nicer. And then if you ever exit or sell the property, you're going to make your money there on appreciation. 
Grace, do you own any properties in A-class neighborhoods? Heck no. I cannot afford. I'm a cash flow investor, so I can't really afford to just hold on to something for the appreciation. I actually looked at a really crappy house that's like kind of in an A-class area, but they priced it like an A-class area and I would have to have just paid on it for a few years until I either developed it or remodeled it or whatever. So it it piqued my interest, but I did not end up pursuing an offer. What about you? Just my primary, I would say. I I was just going to say. My primary, I would say it's in a suburb. It's in a gray area. It's a nice house. So yeah, definitely a class, but it's not an investment property. So I would Mm -hmm. not qualify it as that. I do know like Anam, who we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago, she has a couple properties in A-class neighborhoods. It's not her like bread and butter. That's not the neighborhood she invests in. But to go into the tenant aspect a little bit, she says that the tenants in her A-class homes are a little bit more needy because they're paying premium rents Mm -hmm. and top dollar, which is understandable. They expect things to be done immediately. So yeah, I mean, that's just something you have to think about as well. Yeah. I don't own anything in the A-class, but I would totally agree your primary is because if you think about it, it's got the land, it's got the lake, it's got a biking trail. Like it's very much a high end. There's not going to be any rentals in that area. That's going to be like mostly homeowners, mostly downtown new construction. Of course, I would love to own some of that stuff one day, especially like some A-class commercial properties. But right now it ain't in the budget. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I will throw in that we did buy this house is a fixer upper. So it's in an amazing, amazing neighborhood, great location, but there's definitely cosmetic stuff that we just haven't gotten around to in the five years we've been here. But eventually it's definitely a value add opportunity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't live in a mega mansion in a super nice neighborhood. Just, just throwing that out there for everybody, (laughs) but yeah. I love it. Okay. Let's move on to B class. Yeah. So B class, this is where some investors love to focus. These are still nice neighborhoods, but maybe a little bit more dated. They're definitely more of a working class or professional level jobs. And they have the possibility to someday possibly turn into a class A neighborhood because they're going to be on the borders of those class A neighborhoods. So Mm -hmm. it's a good balance of cash flow and appreciation because you can charge higher rents and still make a profit because you're not paying as much as you would for an A class property. Yeah. In my mind, when it comes to like property ages, I feel like because B class is my bread and butter. I feel like it's going to be like once you get older than like the 90s, that kind of becomes more expensive and more A class, at least in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I'm at. So like my properties are typically from the 60s, from the 70s, from the 50s. They're very B class. They're very middle income, middle class. It's nice. They're not the most beautiful houses where people are constantly spending money on what the house looks like and renovations, but it's clean. It's safe. There's lots of families. So that's why I love it. If you're somewhere like California or Florida or somewhere like that, B-class might be 1980 to 2000. Because if you think about it, we're already in 2023. So something built in 2000 is 23 years old. So it really just depends also on your area. Because a house built in 1950 in Cali, I feel like that's getting to be pretty old. But we're in Iowa. So a 1950s house is re- it's really not that old. I own a lot of houses built in 1900. So Me too. that's where we're coming from. Also, huge point we forgot to make is what's B-class in my market is going to look completely different than what's B-class out in California. B-class out in California is still probably going to be a million-dollar home. Like, or That's 800, A-class in Iowa. 
Yeah, like in Iowa, if you got a million dollar house, that is like A plus plus plus. But there are so many areas in other cities where even B class is still incredibly expensive and maybe beautiful, and that their A class is just even more beautiful and even more expensive. Agreed. You know what I'm also thinking about as we're having this conversation? A lot of my properties are in my really small hometown that's only 5,000 people. And so we don't really have like a neighborhood classes because it's just so small. Mm -hmm. I would say everything's probably a B plus to a B minus. There's maybe like a handful of A class homes in town. But really for an area that small, Instead of classifying by neighborhood, you're going to be classifying based on the property itself, which Mm -hmm. we're not going to cover in this episode. But I'm like, some towns are just too small. And then you do switch and do more of like Mm -hmm. the property itself. Yeah, that's a good point, because my hometown is a thousand people. And I would say like, yeah. Every house there is, is pretty much great. There's some that are fixer uppers, but in general, I would call that town like a B or A class town. But then obviously, if you dive into town, there's a few, there's like a little suburb part of it of 30, 40 homes that have been built in the last two, three years. And then there's a trailer homes, park. Actually, no trailer park. Oh, there's a trailer park in my town. So <laughs> <laughs> my town's not big enough for the trailer park. But then you have the homes that are, you know, from the 30s, from the 40s. My parents' home is 100 years old. And those are still all great properties that I would invest in. But yeah, it is just, it is different on every single market. Definitely. Which brings us to class C. So oh, wait, 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 wait. Before oh, wait. we get to class back C, up. sorry. Back, back. <laughs> if you're thinking about the rewind, <laughs> rewind. If you're thinking about that scale that I said earlier, and there's like four points on it, there's the very left hand point, the very right hand point, and two points in the middle. Your B class is going to be your second point from the left. So it's going to be like closer to appreciation than it is cash flow, but it's still in the middle. So you're still going to get both. And that's why I like B-class properties because I don't want to just make money while I own it. I also want to make money from appreciation when I sell the property. And that's one difference you'll hear from a lot of slumlords is they don't ever expect to make money when they sell because their idea is to just put as little amount of money as possible and pay as little as they can for a house and cash flow, which we'll get to. So if you think about it on a scale, that's what it's like. It's like a fluid scale. So now we're moving closer to cash flow and we'll get to class C. Okay. Good interruption, Grace. That was a good explanation. Okay. Class C neighborhoods. So these are neighborhoods that aren't the nicest neighborhoods and sometimes can be borderline unsafe, but not all of them are unsafe. Sometimes you can find really good C-class neighborhoods where there's hardworking families and good tenants, and you can really make a lot of money in those neighborhoods Mm -hmm. because on our sliding scale, this is going to be leaning much more towards the cash flow than appreciation. So it's going to be cheaper, a lot cheaper. And also, I'm trying to think of an example like Amelia. Remember that Airbnb in Dubuque we stayed in? Like that was probably a C class area. And I want to point out because a lot of times this is where gentrification happens. So a lot of times the C-class neighborhoods are the ones that are turning. So there might be like a street of really not great houses and then like a new coffee shop next door because it's in the middle. And so those early adapters, those people who go into that C-class neighborhood and buy early while it's still not a great neighborhood, they're going to get a great price. They're going to 
you know, experience that appreciation first as more people follow suit and turn that neighborhood into a nicer area, aka gentrification. And then obviously the last people to follow when it's already a nice area and it's becoming a B, an A-class area, they're going to pay more. So these are the properties that it might be not great now, but it could be a good spot to buy because it's getting better. I would say that I have a really good example of this in my 11-unit building. Yes, yes. So the 11-unit location is in is right outside of downtown Des Moines. And when I mean right outside of, I mean across the river. There's a bridge mm-hmm. that you get to downtown. And downtown Des Moines is expanding south, which is where this property is located. The property, there are currently condos that have been built that are skyline view condos because there's a great view of downtown from this location that are selling for $400,000 per condo. And Which in Iowa is crazy. It's crazy. They're luxury. It might even be like 450 uh, two or three bedroom condos. And we bought the 11 unit for 500,000. So yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. That actually it's- is crazy. You bought it for that. I know there's a 30 unit apartment building across the street that was horrible before tons of homeless tons of prostitution drug dealing things like that going on but someone just bought it completely boarded off everything and is going to do a total renovation of all of those apartments so that's going to add so much value to to that neighborhood there was also and to mine and there was also a really terrible bar that like shootings were happening at and they've closed that bar down two years ago like shortly after i bought it and it's just been sitting vacant but they're gonna bulldoze it and put in more condos there as well so this is like the perfect gentrification location and i'm i can't wait to sell it someday for like over a million dollars yeah you bought at such a perfect time but again let's talk about like that risk you bought in like a risky area where there was still like you said a lot of homelessness a lot of trash a lot of just like not clean and safe stuff happening a lot, yeah, a lot of funny business. And then, but also within two years, you're literally seeing the construction happen. And that is adding value to your portfolio without you doing a god darn thing. <laughs> I know. I love it so much. It is such a great location. So yeah, think about those areas. You might not immediately make a lot of money off of them. And it might be kind of testy there, touch and go, but it's worth it in the end if you know it's going to be gentrified. Again, if you know, because there's a ton of C-class neighborhoods that are always going to be C-class neighborhoods, or maybe they're even going to turn into a a worse neighborhood. So we're only talking about like if you identify that area. And a lot of times I hear people say when the hipsters move in, that's when it's starting to be gentrified. And and back to the Dubuque example, the reason I was going to say it is because it was a really cute, classy, renovated brick townhouse, a row of really nice brick townhouses that were Airbnbs. But across the street was like really crappy areas and like lots of liquor stores in a row and I feel like a lot of times a lot of liquor stores in a row is a sign of like a C or D class area yeah Grace actually made the joke when we checked in she's like man this kind of seems like a D or C class neighborhood and you know how we can tell is if there's a liquor store within sight and we looked out, Look the, out window, the window and on the corner there was a liquor store so, I was like yep <laughs> so funny though but yeah yeah definitely yeah you had to be there 
Okay, so then one last thing on that scale again. So uh, just to reiterate, you're going to this is going to be the cheaper houses. You're going to cash flow pretty well because they are cheaper and it's going to be mostly rentals too. Maybe not mostly, but a lot more rentals than probably homeowners. And there's not just there's not going to be a ton of appreciation. There'll be a little bit. There'll be more if you hit that gentrification spot. But this is really more of cash flow area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready for D class? Yes. Well, okay. also, I just want to say I only have one C class property. It's a rent to own. And I actually did not think it was going to be a gentrified area. I just bought it because I knew with rent to own, I'd never have to go to the property. So I was cool with it. But now I'm realizing this if I keep holding on to this property, this might be a really great area in about five to 10 years. So still a long ways down the line, but could be. Do you have an AC class besides this other than, unit? No, no, I yeah. don't. Cool. Okay. You want to take D class? Yes. So D class area, this is going to be the worst area. This is going to be probably mostly rentals, really tough tenants to deal with, probably not somewhere you want to be out and about at night. And this is going to be very, very little appreciation. And D class can also be very, it can pull you in sometimes as a new investor when you see like maybe a small multifamily or even a single family that rents well above the 1% or 2% rule. And it can be really enticing. But what you don't realize is because of the of the clientele of these areas, these are really hard to manage properties. Tenants really are rough on the properties a lot. Like it, a lot of them probably don't have as steady as of employment. And it just can be a lot more headache. So I do not ever invest in D-Class. I'm not saying you can't do whatever is going to work for your strategy because there are many investors who make D-Class their niche and are very good at it. I just don't personally. Yeah, there are some slumlords or just investors who get rich off of D-Class properties. But here's what I don't understand about that. Between every tenant turn from what I've heard, the unit's completely trashed. They got it. Yeah. So you have to gut it and redo it. I'm like, well, how did what? How did you make any money then? Okay, but also sometimes these investors just like slap stuff together and can still get decent rent because there's always going to be like a bottom out for what you can charge for rent, especially if you're going to waive a lot of the restrictions that other investors put on. Like you're not going to care about credit or background or any of that. People are still going to pay you a decent amount and they're going to live in the crap hole and not complain. Hopefully they'll pay rent. I would love... To do, I was thinking about this the other day, to do a case study of two different investor strategies. My strategy, which is like B-class, like get a nice product so you get a nice clientele, try to get some appreciation and cash flow versus the investor who's like, I'm going to buy the cheapest house possible, put as a little amount of money into it and try to make the most rent and then only sell my properties for what I ever put into them. Because that's what a lot of some lords do is they... If you talk to them, they'll be like, I just got to find what I have into it because they don't expect to make right. money. So yeah, like they'll pay like $25,000 for a house here in Des Moines and they'll sell it for 25000 but they'll own ten it for years 10 later. years. Yeah. They'll own it for 10 years and they'll charge $800 a month in rent. Mm-hmm. So see, it's almost a 3% rule at that point. Yep. So that's why it's enticing, but yet they've, and that's where also where landlord specials, if you ever seen those jokes, like painting over like light the outlets and outlets and like duct t- painting over duct commercial tape. carpet. <laughs> yeah. Like 
that's where that comes in. And so, but I'm just like, man, how do they make any money? Because at the end of the year, if they've made $10,000 in cash flow, but they have to redo the unit, which is like $10,000, <laughs> like where? I don't where? think they put 10 grand yeah. into it. And I also bet they deal with a lot of headache tenants, but I also bet they get a lot of tenants who rent for ever and don't ever say a word and don't yeah. ever have any upgrades or ask for anything to be fixed because they just want to be left alone but yeah that's why i want the case study i want to see like which one do you actually make more money in because i don't know i mean there has to be a lot of money to be made as a slumlord because a lot of people do it but at the same time i want to feel good about you know what I do in my business and the product I put out there. So I'm not willing to do that. Absolutely. So on our sliding scale, I don't know if we already touched this, <laughs> touched on this, or if you can't <laughs> figure it out, but very high cash flow, very low to non-existent appreciation with D-class. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Anything else to sum up this episode, Grace? So when it comes down to understanding what class you want to invest in, there's going to be two major things. One is what are you looking for? Appreciation or cash flow or a little bit of both? I like both. So that's why I like B class. And then also what can you afford? Because obviously everybody would love to have the A class beautiful properties, but I I can't afford them. So you got to balance those two things and that will drive what area you focus on. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. So thank you so much, everyone. If you have any suggestions for episodes, go ahead and shoot them to us on Instagram. Otherwise, we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community.